Hi, Amy. Hi. Um, hi, everybody. My name is Misty, and you're listening to Mermaid on Land. Um, today, I have my friend Amy on my podcast with me today, but today she is actually going to be interviewing me. Um, yeah, I just want to go ahead and um, have let Amy have the floor. Oh, well, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for doing this for me. I uh, really appreciate it. Well, I didn't mind. It's an honor to be able to do this for you. I appreciate that you asked me this stuff. And hopefully, I, hopefully you like the questions that I'm asking and everything. I tried to come up, I tried to come up with some really good ones so that way we could learn more about your life and all that you've been through and your challenges and your ups and downs and everything else. Yeah. So, um, we, uh, some of us know that Misty has, um, cerebral palsy, which DP, um, but I don't think a lot of us knows exactly what that means and what that is. Well, there are um, various types of CP that, well, there's different uh, levels, I guess you could say. I have a very mild case. So anytime anybody ever asks me what my disability is, I always point out that it's a mild case of cerebral palsy because there are severe cases that cannot talk or um, they're kind of in like a vegetative state. Um, you know, I was born three months early and, uh, my heart stopped and caused the lack of the oxygen to the brain to help with my motor skills. And for the most part, I do really well. Um, my feet stopped growing when I was in first grade. So I have very small feet, but I have an adult body. So my feet don't hold up my weight very well. So, um, I am able to move around and function quite well um, on my own, but I cannot stand for very long because of my feet not being able to hold up my weight. So um, I hope that answers uh, some questions. It it has something to do with the cerebellum in the brain and the lack of oxygen to the brain. What was it like growing up with the, um, growing up with CP? I mean, was there a lot of challenges growing up with it, or could you do the stuff that other kids did? I mean, what was that like being in school and with your family? Well, for starters, my mo- I started going to physical therapy when I was nine months old. I was diagnosed with cerebral palsy at nine months old. Um, my mom took me to the pool when I was about six months old. Um, and she realized that my body was really stiff and I wasn't flexible and moving around like normal. Uh, so she kind of started to take me to doctors and they did a bunch of tests and they found out that I had cerebral palsy. Um, so when I was around three years old is when I started going to the Midland Cerebral Palsy Center um, in Midland, Texas. And they wanted to, I, I don't know if it was them or, or someone, but earlier on in my life, yeah, wanted them to put me in a wheelchair right away. And my mom was very adamant about no, because if she does, then she's going to settle mm-hmm. and she's going to, you know, so I started walking in a walker and 
I walked in my walker backwards <laughs> instead of forward. I could not get the, you know, the art of that. Um, now if I tried to walk backwards, I'll just fall down. But uh, I, I, I ran backwards in my walker, which is really random. Wow. But, but, you know, to kind of, uh, you know, I didn't, I know that my mom earlier on had felt sorry for me in some way. And I wasn't, I didn't have to do um, chores you know, um, earlier on because my mom didn't make me. And then my mom had a best friend at the time who I had overheard talking. And she said, you know, if you treat Misty that way, she's going to grow up believing that she can't do things for herself. She's got to do chores and she's got to learn to make her bed. And, you know, and I was so angry with my mom's (laughs) friends for the longest time because (laughs) by all accounts, I had the best, like, I just had to go to my room and play with my dolls. Um, and then my mom started making me, you know, wash um, the silverware and fold socks. And to this day, I hate folding socks. Um, you know, and I, I did little basic things and, you know, that I could do. And I didn't, my mom didn't treat me as disabled. She just expected the same amount of, you know, you're going to do your chores, you're going to, uh, do your homework and turn everything in. So um, I would go to physical therapy and I was around kids um, who also had varying types of disabilities. And then I would go to school mm-hmm. and I would be amongst the, uh, I don't like to use the word regular and I don't like to use the word normal. I understand. <laughs> but, but, I, but I was around kids that didn't have disabilities. So I was able to experience both sides. Um, I didn't really actually realize or understand that I had a disability until I was 10 years old. And my mom had to explain it to me, you know, you're a little different, but that's, that's okay. You know, um, I, I had a really good upbringing as far as, um, physical therapy. I had, we would go to, um, sea world and we would, uh, compete in rodeo competitions and, uh, you know, swimming and bike riding and all that sort of stuff. So was physical therapy every day at the school or just once a week or what was that like? Um, it was pretty much every day. Um, I might have had a one day off, but I lived really close to the bus barn in Midland, Texas. So I was the first kid to be picked up and the last one to be dropped off. So that made me have 12, 13 hour days. I would be picked up really early um, at 620 in the morning. Oh, wow. Um, and then I would sleep on the bus while everybody was being picked up for, you know, two hours or whatever. And then I would go to therapy and then go to school Yeah. and then come, you know, be the last one to be dropped off. So it would be five thirty, six o'clock before I got home that evening. So it was a really long day. Um, and you know, it alternated. We had horseback riding, which they called, um, I believe they called it hippotherapy. Um, and then swimming and things like that. So it kind of almost didn't feel like physical therapy or occupational therapy. Yeah, more fun without you. Yeah, but it, you know, and they also, you know, they're they're very, uh, very. I I I'm trying to look for the word. They're they're a staple of why I am who I am. Does yeah. that make sense? Um, I'm very blessed and fortunate that I live alone, and I'm so independent. And, and kind of just do things as I can, you know. I had once had a physical therapist ask me, what happens if I'm not here? 
how are you going to get out of this situation? You know, so I kind of adapted to that mentality. Um, and also really quickly, and then yeah. we can move on, but I want to make sure that I cover my basis. I also was able to experience uh, Texas Alliance camp, Texas Alliance camp from the age of nine until I was 16 uh, was a camp that I went to every summer for either one to two weeks every summer. And I got to be around kids that were also just like me in various types of disabilities, but we were able to experience camping uh, activities, you know? Um, oh, that must have been nice. To, to this day, that is like my Disneyland. I would rather go there than I would go anywhere else because it was just a, um, it was a part of my upbringing. And it was, you know, there was a time in my childhood that I didn't really feel safe, if I can say that yeah, uh, boldly. Um, and when I would go to camp, that was my safe place, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I was really fortunate to have all of those different features of, of my life to be able to feel like a quote-unquote normal yeah. person. But also, I wasn't treated differently um, until I got into high school, college, you know, yeah. around older kids that just didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, both me and you always talk about, you know, um, about how we trust in God and our faith and everything. You know, that gets us through what we went through um, and all that we've been through. Um what is your testimony? What is your testimony on that? Um, well, um, I, um, I did. I, you know, I grew up going to church on and off. My bus drivers and my school teachers uh, would take me to churches. I would go to different churches on and off throughout my life, and so I knew there was a God and I knew there was Jesus, but I always kind of thought that he was just kind of sitting on his throne waiting for me to mess up. (laughs) And I recall a time in my childhood where I thought that I had to go every week um, to the altar and accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior because I messed up that week. So it wasn't until I was around 21 years old when I kind of hit pivotal moment in my faith and my walk with with God that I really experienced his realness I kind of gave him an ultimatum basically was like if you're real um show me you know without going into too much heavy detail because it was very it was a very hard time but I literally remember giving God an ultimatum in in a car and nobody was in the car with me. And I literally looked up at the ceiling and I said, if you don't do something about this situation today, then I don't believe in you anymore. And basically I was kind of like, it was, I was, at, I was at a breaking point. And basically within minutes, that situation changed within literally two to three minutes. Um, there was a situation that I was in, involved in or, I was around somebody that I was, it was not a good idea for me to be around them. And I needed to get out of a situation. And literally, uh, a cop pulled that person over and had them get out of the car and arrested them on the spot. 
you know. Yeah. So uh, they were, you know, they were pulled over. Uh, and when they got out of the car is when I said my prayer. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're, if you don't do something about this now, I'm, I'm done, you know. Um, so I guess kind of, you know, to fast forward that a little bit. From mm-hmm. that moment on, I kind of dialogue with God that way. Yeah. Like, if you want me to do this, then I need you to show me this. And God's like, but I don't work that way. <laughs> no, I don't work with ultimatums. I don't work, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to work the same way twice because then you're not going to experience the realness. It's just going to be kind of robotic, you know? Yeah. So that's a, a short uh, synopsis of that, unless you want me to elaborate further. No, I, I think you did good on that. Okay. Um, how is your now with how things are how has your relationship with God had helped you throughout the years um I think my relationship with God if I can be transparent with you has been a little rocky <laughs> <laughs> um you know we we all kind of went through 2020 yeah um, and I felt like kind of like being pulled under the current and trying to get up and trying to pull my weight up above the current and then just getting swept under again and kind of getting the wind knocked out of me. Um, one of the things that people really don't really talk about, and they should, especially in faith, is anxiety and depression. I have a disability, and I can pretty much get, you know, figure out a way to get somewhere from point A to point B. I moved yeah. from, from Colorado to Los Angeles by myself with a suitcase and two dogs um, years and years ago on an act of faith. I just knew that that's where I wanted to be and I was just, I was going to go. I was gonna let, wasn't going to let anything stop me. But this past year, anxiety and depression really kind of stifled everything that I, that I um, believed in for a while. Um, I usually use creative outlets and you know, I sing and I write and I paint and I do all these things. And, you know, of course I read my Bible, but when you're uh, being uh, held down by this thing and it's depression and anxiety and, and in the Christian faith, a lot of times it's like, okay, you just need to pray it away. You just need to pray it away and it's going to be fine. You just have to focus on the Lord and read the Bible and, um, it's a very real thing and it's a really struggle. So I think um, my disability is not something that I really find a challenge anymore because I've lived with it for so long and I don't know anything else. Um, yeah. So when something else comes along, like anxiety and depression, yeah. that's another battle. Yeah, um, and that's, that's something that I, I still work on, even mm-hmm. despite everything I went through. You know, um, I still deal with that. And it's okay to ask for help always yeah ask for help and yeah and asking for help does not make you weak i know like you know really quickly if i can just kind of add to that yeah no problem people with disabilities maybe i don't know maybe you maybe you don't feel like this maybe somebody else does or don't i don't know but uh they have a hard time asking for help sometimes because they think that it they they're they're stubborn and they want to figure it out on their own and but sometimes it's okay to ask for help um you know 
because then you can go leaps and bounds and somebody else can help you and then you can have that uh that second wind that you need to accomplish something so yeah I think I felt a lot of that in my childhood, you know, that I didn't want for help. But that's because as a child with a disability, you don't, you don't want to be singled out, you know what I mean? And then too, if you don't ask for help, you rob somebody else of the blessing of being able to help you. So, which is is how I see it as now, you know, I bless people all the time. So why can't they bless me and helping me? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Okay. Um, we'll see. Uh, what do you hope to accomplish in the next 10 years um, in your life? Or you hope to accomplish or your dreams, you know? I really want to encourage people. I don't know exactly what God has planned for me. I don't know what, you know, what the next chapter holds. I have kind of an idea of what's going to happen, what's going to transpire based on what I've already been working on. And I really can't talk too much about that. Um, But my hope and whatever I do, regardless, is to encourage people. Um, I want to be a speaker. I, I, you know, I'm working on a second um, book. And I'm, I'm doing a whole, I have five different projects going on. Um, all of them are meant to make an impact or to change things for the better and to raise awareness. So in some capacity, in any way that God allows for that to happen, I hope that I get to be a part of that. That's awesome. Yeah. What has been your greatest um, accomplishment in life so far? I mean, that you're extremely proud of. I think the biggest adversary is ourself. I think we can be so hard on ourselves. For me, I lived for the longest time to prove people wrong. People would always tell me that I wasn't going to do this or wasn't going to do that or whatever. And I'm not going to go into exactly who because it doesn't matter. But I was told quite a lot that I was never going to get married. I was never going to be a mom. I was never going to go to college. Um, I was never going to live on my own. So my point to that is I wanted to prove people wrong. But I think the biggest challenge in all of that is not doing that because I thrive on figuring things out and thrive on, you know, I have a business mind constantly thinking of how to make things work and how to, you know, how to make this challenge be a product of of success. You know, Um, when my mom passed away, I went into a really dark depression because I wanted to win her approval. I wanted to prove her wrong in a lot of ways. Um, and I found my identity in that. And I, I found my identity in what I'm doing and what I, what I want to accomplish. And, um, you know, what I, I, you know, I have such a, uh, a challenge, I suppose, um, 
with myself and figuring out who I am outside of proving people wrong because I was so lost for a long time I had no idea who I was outside of proving people wrong or outside of my disability I went from being around people in physical therapy until I was around 16 years old being uprooted and taken uh you know we moved we were taken to a a different we moved to a different state um and we had to kind of start over and I think you know going being uprooted from routine and being uh, challenged in other ways outside of the disability factor is like kind of having to wear cleats you know how Mm. athletes wear cleats and you're trying to get your bearings and you're trying to get you know stand up and keep going but you don't know what you're what you're going towards if that's what you base your identity Mm. on and then you don't have any you know so I think the hardest part for me and the biggest challenge was to not have my identity wrapped up in what happened to me proving people wrong who you know what limited me or didn't limit me yeah that's that's up to me I have to figure out, you know, I, if I'm if I tell myself that I'm not going to be able to do it, well, then I'm probably not going to no. do it. <laughs> and if I tell myself that I'm going to do it, then yeah, I'm not going to give up. I'm stubborn. <laughs> I am so stubborn. <laughs> and uh, you know, um, I think if I could kind of divert this conversation a little bit further back when I was a kid, I had um, a surgery. From I had two casts on my legs from the waist down. And then they had a 32-inch bar to kind of spread my legs out to yeah. make the hamstrings stretch. Um, and I had to stay like that for eight weeks. Um, and I was determined to be able to walk across my room with the cast on, on a wooden floor, um, and turn on my on my radio. I wanted to listen to my radio. And then when I went when I did that, I decided that I was going to watch TV and go down the hallway. And we weren't allowed to have TVs in our rooms growing up, so the nearest TV to was in my mom's room. So I got in my little walker and I walked down the hallway, and then you know managed to turn on her little radio, <laughs> her rotary <laughs> dial TV, and went and watched my shows I stood in the doorway um 32 inches is a standard size doorway so (laughs) trying to get inside the door to go and you know do all of that my whole point is to say that I'm very stubborn when I put my mind on something I do it and I think the biggest challenge is not finding my identity in that when something doesn't work out uh, then I get really sad and I, I lose my self-confidence and I lose my self-worth. Mm. So I think it's, it's about balance and finding that balance. And that's something that I'm still working towards. Yeah. And I think that's what, you know, everybody, you know, still work towards, you know, especially mm-hmm. people with, you know, disabilities, because that's our biggest goal in life almost is just to prove people wrong that we can, yeah. that we can do it. I'll show you how powerful Elwood can be (laughs) mentality, like, you know. (laughs) So I think that's, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest challenges that I still face. Yeah. Is not wrapping my identity up in 
you know, my disability, what happened to me, proving people wrong, whatever. It's in who God says I am. Um, yeah, that's the biggest challenge for me. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so besides, you know, besides um, um, God getting you through everything in our faith, um, what do you like to do to, you know, relax or just uh, take your mind away from things? Um. Um, well, one of my favorite things to do that I haven't been able to do in a while because I live in a, an apartment with carpet, I love to paint. Um, I do the acrylic pouring um, that anybody could do and learn how to do. It's all on YouTube or Instagram. I kind of went and scrolled um, Instagram and YouTube for hours and hours and hours at a time. And I finally decided one day that I was going to learn to do this. Um, and so I did for a while, for about a year, I, I did that for a while. But now I, I live in an apartment, as I mentioned, with carpet. And so it's kind of a messy thing. So I'm not really able to do that right now. But in the meantime, honestly, I kind of, I'm always thinking of business ideas. <laughs> yeah. And I'm always <laughs> writing business plans and I'm always writing chapters in my book I'm, I'm just kind of you know doing something um with writing because that kind of gets me out of my head and also I really like to listen to podcasts which is another reason why that I wanted to create something like this because podcasts have really been able to and also audiobooks too I like to listen to audiobooks because it helps me get out of my head and focus on something else yeah. And then I don't have anxiety or depression or anything weighing me down. So that's been a little bit of a therapy <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah. So for right now, that's what I'm able to do right now. What? Are you there? Yes, I am. Okay. I wasn't sure. I thought I lost you there for a second. No, you're good. I'm just waiting for the next question. What um, what would you like people to know about you and your disability? Like, like yes, like last time you asked me, you know, how I feel about people coming up and asking if I need help or something. Um, where, how do you view that when you're out? Well, there's a few different factors with that. I've, I'm very self-conscious with my feet. Not a lot of people have seen my feet. I hide them well. I'm always wearing socks or I have my, my, my uh, shoes on, even with, you know, when I'm around people, I'm very self-conscious because I had, I went to Walmart one time when I was a kid and I wasn't wearing shoes and I was in one of those motorized scooters um, that are monstrosity and huge. Um <laughs> And they're really hard to drive because they're so big. But um, and somebody stared at my feet for a really long time. And that to me made me very self-conscious about. I felt like, you know, um, I don't I don't mind people asking questions at all, especially, you know, I'm old enough to say, yeah, well, I can speak up and for myself and and say and ask questions. I, I think, you know. Kids should be allowed to ask questions. I, it kind of hurts my feelings when um, 
parents of younger kids say, oh, don't ask that, you know, don't, don't stare or whatever. Oh, I understand I, that. <laughs> I want kids to be inquisitive. I want people, I want them to ask because they don't know unless they ask. Um, you know, yeah. I, I think part of the thing too is, um, I had, I had, um, some, a, a friend of mine, CS2 kids, they're a little older now, but years ago they were, they were over at my house and they were playing with the brakes on my chair and, and, you know, just kind of mindlessly playing with them. And, and she was like, I, you know, I really, it doesn't bother you. And I'm like, no, it doesn't bother me because why not? They're not bothering me at all. Yeah. You know, they're just playing around with them. You know, I want them to ask questions yeah. and get, you know, be kids. You yeah, know? I, think, I know. I, I feel like parents are, they, they mean well, yeah. they want people to be polite and respectful and maybe somebody that, I feel like if, if someone like me, where I was born with a disability, I'm fine if you ask questions, but I feel like if it's somebody in a car accident, it might bring up old wounds and it might say, yeah. you know, might, might, they might not want to talk about that. Yeah. But then there's no way for them to, people to distinguish the difference. Like, yeah. you know, what happened to you, you know, kind of thing. The biggest question that I always get is, are you going to die from your disability? No, I will not die from my disability. <laughs> um it there are some people um with severe cases of cerebral palsy that do die from that but it's not from the cp it's from the uh underlining conditions of that yeah. heart issues seizures and and what have you yeah. but um i think it's just really important i i don't i i just want parents to know and adults to know that it's okay to ask questions um believe the best in kids that they don't mean to sound rude or you know why is her leg like that or why is she in a wheelchair and I've always told kids because God made me that way and I genuinely mean that I don't I I think God you know God he makes us for in our our mother's womb and he knew that I was going to be disabled he knew that you were going to have your uh um limitations you know um and I think he allows that to be used to show people and inspire people. I don't, I think, I don't like when people tell me that I'm an inspiration. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't, do you feel that I way? No, I, do you feel that way? I don't really see it. I guess it's because it's, I mean, I'm just like just doing my, you know, everyday stuff, you know, so it's kind of, yeah. it's kind of, you know, weird when people say that, you know, but um, but then, in my opinion, they they wouldn't know what they would do if they were in my shoes. You know, yeah. they really don't. And you know, um, you know, I I enjoy, I I love it when kids ask questions, especially in the store. You know, my favorite thing yeah. is the kids start staring. I'm just like, what is there something wrong with my feet or my leg? And it just automatically <laughs> you see the kids start shaking their head like. Okay. I think, no, I think the best response would just be to smile and wave at them. Just, hi, you know, because especially the little kids, because they're so, you know, they believe in Santa Claus and they believe in the tooth fairy and they believe in magical things, which, you know, we're not going to tell them otherwise. But, um, <laughs> so I don't want to disrupt their, their child likeness. Yeah. 
So I always want to just be like, hey, you know, and that way whenever I talk to them and they see that I'm I'm nothing to be afraid of because I think kids stare because one, they haven't been around somebody in a disability in a wheelchair or they know somebody that's in a wheelchair um, and and they're curious, yeah. you know. That's the biggest thing. Kids are just curious and stuff and they want to ask the they want to ask the the questions because they don't know why they're like that, you know, or how did that happen? And, and I've been made fun of. I've been made fun of the way I walk. I had some some really young kids in a in a mall in in Texas. I was walking on my crutches, and they were kind of mocking me and making fun of me. And I just walked over to them and I told them that they ought to know better. And that I'm just like, you know, and they were embarrassed because they, they got yeah. caught being, making fun of me, yeah. you know, and they're like, oh, sorry, you know. Um, but then there's the other spectrum of, uh, there's a, a, in that same mall in Midland, Texas, I don't know if it was the same day or it was a different time, but this little girl couldn't have been more than nine years old, yelled from across the mall. And she said, hi, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. <laughs> And you're beautiful. And I was like looking around like, is she talking to me? And there was nobody else around. And so I was like, oh, that's sweet. So, yeah, I just think it's just a, a matter yeah. of perspective. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Well, um, my next and last question, and you kind of asked me this too on the very last question is, if you go back, if you could go back and talk to your younger self, what what would you say to her? I mean, what would you? Um, you know, I would honestly say that it's okay. I was I would tell myself a few things. If you don't mind, I'm just gonna talk You're a little fine. bit. I would first of all tell myself to calm down, and it's not that serious. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, not everybody's going to like me, and that's fine. That's okay. I'm going to yeah. be fine. Not everybody is against me. Not everybody is for me, and that's fine, too. I would also say that my identity is not my disability. It is not who does or doesn't like me, and my identity is not with what happened to me, and my identity is not proving people wrong. Since I have found this, like, soft place to land, if you will, of that whole concept of what I just yeah. mentioned, my life has been so much easier. I just don't, I'm not so hard on myself, and I don't have these unrealistic expectations, you know, I would tell myself that I'm going to clean my whole entire house <laughs> in one day. Well, sometimes my body is just, yeah, right, you're so funny, <laughs> you know. Um, and then some days it's it's hard because there are days where I'm like, okay, I'm going to do A, B, and C, and it might take somebody two hours to do all of that. But for me, it's going to be an all day yeah. thing. And by the next day, I'm completely exhausted. And that's just something that I've had to go, you know what? That's fine. You're fine. You're fine. You, you know, I'm, I'm a neat freak. <laughs> <laughs> I like my house very clean. Um, and orderly and, you know, everything put away at all times, pretty much like a museum. But the reality is that's just not the case and it's fine. It's going to be okay. Um, 
yeah, I think that's kind of what I would tell myself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of um, didn't handle my emotions very well for, you know, all of my childhood. And I just kind of, there, was, there wasn't a lot of stability in the home. And so I didn't have a place to put my emotions. So I either overreacted or I internalized yeah. everything. And then when you internalize everything, you might as well just be a yeah. volcano in a rut. <laughs> because, you know, so I, I, I know now, okay, something seems off. I don't know what's going on. I'm so upset about something, but I don't really have a logical yeah. reason to be upset. So I'm going to step back. And I'm going to journal, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to pray or do whatever I need to do, and then maybe revisit that thing. And then go, okay, I don't really need to be worried about that. So it's kind of like inventory. And go, I'm not going to focus on that, it's fine. Or I can't do anything about this, I'm not going to worry about it. You know, so I wish I had the tools of that growing up than I do now. I think it would have saved me a lot of energy, it would have saved me a lot of time. And it would have, quite frankly, it would have salvaged a lot of friendships too, you know, but, you know. But you, you live and learn. Yes, exactly. Um, also, if I can share just kind of a funny yeah, story. no problem. A little dunce or a what goes a long way. <laughs> I was uh, helping my mom. My mom got walking pneumonia when I was nine years mm-hmm. old. And my friends and I decided that we were going to help my mom clean the entire house. As I mentioned earlier, we had wood floors. Wood floors completely, except for the downstairs den and the downstairs laundry room. It was carpeted there. But the rest of the house was like the laminate tile and wood. So we decided that we were going to stay up until 4, 5 in the morning and clean the entire house. We used two large bottles of Dawn (laughs) dish soap. And then a really small one and barely any water. And so we're mopping up the floors with like old towels and old t-shirts. Hi, Ashley. <laughs> this is my cat deciding to make her grand entrance on the podcast. Anyway, um, so we decided that we were going to use these large bottles all over the entire house with no water. So my mom woke up and slid down the hall from her room like risky business style. <laughs> And said, Misty, Michelle, get in here now. And so I realized, you know, she was putting water on the floor to mop up the floor, but it was so much suds, you know. So if anybody hears this, here's how you get Dawn soap out of the floor. (laughs) (laughs) You use vinegar. Vinegar will will get that up. So my my cousin came over with a mop bucket and a mop and vinegar and mopped up the whole house and, and cleaned up all the Dawn soap. But... Yeah, a little Dawn soap goes a long way. That'd be another story that I would, you know, I would tell I myself, never, don't use that. Well, I never, so. I, I never knew that, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had the best of intentions. Yeah. yeah. Well, this was really fun. I'm really glad that you did this, and Astrid is too. She's well, I'm glad, I'm glad yeah. you, I'm glad I was able to do this for you. Um, I, you are, um amazing person and you know you. you have from the time that I know you you have grown so much you know in your faith and 
spiritual stuff and and everything. Um, I enjoy talking to you when I don't have <laughs> when I don't have fifty million things that I gotta get accomplished with so many kids. But yeah, yeah. Well, I really appreciate this so much. I'm gonna go ahead and um. Um, it, did you have any more questions? No, I, I think we're. I think okay. you did an awesome job with um, Thomas. I even learned some stuff that I didn't know about you. You know, um, you know. So I, I really like that, and I and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to ask you these questions. And I appreciate it so much. Thank you. You're Amy. very welcome. Okay.